Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello and welcome back to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, here on Joe, together with Guinness. I'm here with the ever-present and reliable Jerry Flannery, not like your ex-colleague Barry Murphy. Yeah. The baby maker. He didn't make it. Barry's twins are less than a week old. He says, I'll not be able to make it, but twins are less than a week old. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> next week they'll be less than two weeks. Yeah. Oh, they're in ICU. <laughs> <laughs> Where does it end? Yeah, I know. ICU. Yeah. Anyway, get your finger out. We'll see you back in Dublin very soon. But we'll give you a quick uh, twin update. We can provide you with the names of um, Baz's troublesome twins. Uh, not Boris and Teresa, no, not Rog and Strings, not even Greg and Amber. They're called Michael and Annabelle, so congratulations on um, Michael and Annabelle being less than a week old. Uh, Annabelle's named after the horror movie where the freaky... (laughs) 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 Where the freaky doll comes to life and kills everyone. (laughs) Michael's named after Michael Jackson. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, Fla? Only a week old, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Can't even stick up for themselves. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, listen, enough about Baz and his twins. Hopefully we'll see him next week. But um, <laughs> His freaky dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rugby's back. Have you, did you miss it? No, I was aware that the rugby was back. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because um, from what you were saying last week, it, it, I've got this impression of you as you're, you're this, like, perfect dad and you take your kids swimming and like um <laughs> take your kids swimming and to the park and uh you take them out for ice cream all, all saturday i imagine you're like um, yeah i'd imagine you're, you're like father jack like frolicking around the field with bunny rabbits the weekend is that you now is you know the perfect model dad no Don't i, get to watch any I rugby. spent i'm i spent most of the time watching the rugby over the weekend trying to get up to speed for the show uh-huh Mm-hmm. And the well, kids were neglected as a result. Oh, brilliant! Mm. But brilliant. my my missus was there to help with them. So yeah. And you? Uh, I was I was um, suckling at the corporate teat on Saturday. Oh. Okay. I was at a Vodafone gig at the game. Uh, doing who, who did you suckle? I was suckling Donica. <laughs> oh. And Donica was suckling me. And who was watching? Uh, all um, Vodafone corporates. Oh. <laughs> it was pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> Man, give the they people, were disappointed. Give the people what they want. Yeah. So Donica is, it doesn't come as a surprise. I think we've seen Donica in action on the bus for mm. years on tour. Uh, they were eating out of the palm of his hand, loving everything he said. Like He was up there just just drinking it in. They were loving every second. And he would ask me a question and there'd be like a, oh, here we go, trim. Here's the religious freak (laughs) back in again with his Bible. They were like, just answer the questions yourself, Donica. But yeah, it was, uh, he was, honestly, he was actually brilliant at that gig. I'd seen him for the first time uh, doing, you've obviously probably seen it a bit yourself with Donica Mm. doing the the kids show. No, I haven't seen his kids show, no. Oh, really? No. I assume it was quite high profile down here. I don't watch much RTE at home. No, no, he's, but he's like, he's actually, he's just, he's, he's such a nice guy that it's hard to slag him. Like he, he was, he, he actually moved, he moved his ha- moved house and uh, there was like an old man was, I heard this story from someone and they said there was an old man walking along with shopping bags and then I could pull his car in got out, helped the old man carry his bags up to his house and then said, if you ever need me, give me a shout. 
and then jumped back into his car, drove off. And then Dunica came back the next day, gave the call into the old man's house, gave him his phone number and said, how you doing? I'm Dunica Callan. I live around the corner. If you ever need a hand, give me a call. Wow. Yeah. He's so perfect. He's yeah. sickeningly perfect. Gives us all a bad name. Yeah, he does. Although, <laughs> he did tell me at the weekend, he moved to Worcester when his kid was three weeks old. Oh, <laughs> Jason the Queen Shilling taking the soup. Yeah, not so perfect anymore. Mm. That's yeah. why he's in O'Callaghan. Huh? He's... <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I'm trying to remember, is it, is it, you're an O when you take the soup, aren't you? Oh, is that what it is? I, I think it is, it is, yeah. Just... Oh, when you Good get thing. rich, like when you, when you sell out? If you start taking the Queen Shilling, uh-huh. it's generally the people who, when, when Ireland was starving, the people who went and took the soup <laughs> were, were generally called O, uh-huh. like O'Callaghan. I'm going to start frantically Googling this thing. Yeah. Check it out. I could be dramatically wrong. Yeah, so anyway, so we did um, that Vodafone gig and afterwards <clears throat> we got Jordan Larmer, Luke McGrath and uh, Jordy Murphy up. Um, uh, Luke was telling me, um, I find this interesting, <clears throat> he was saying they've been doing, you know, what did you call it again? Where they compress occlusion, occlusion training. They were, he was telling me about the occlusion training uh, where they tie off your muscles and he said, um, they uh, they were putting on back, uh, black bin liners as well to kind of replicate j- j- Japan. <laughs> <laughs> the humidity. I find that interesting because with so much sports scientist or so much sports science and so much anal- uh, an- analytics. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. And then they just stick a black bin liner in, guys. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's it's strange that there's not more thought that's gone into it, is there not? <laughs> Sometimes the simple stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. There was like Because, uh, I mean, Rocky was doing that in 1976 <laughs> for his first movie. It worked for him, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you see, I think you see a lot of, a lot of people trying to do it. Like, I used to see, when I, when I first came into Munster, some of the players used to go in in their full kit and, and just sit in the sauna. Like, this was back in 2003. And two, but, like, you get guys in full kit sitting in the sauna trying to lose weight. Do you lose, are you not just dehydrating think, when you do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. You're not actually burning any fad. No. The Strings did a few of these uh, Instagram stories where he was like um, doing monologues to the camera for his uh, Instagram story in the sauna. Yeah. And I was thinking, you're just getting dehydrated. You're going to give yourself a headache. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they're not burning any fat there, are they? I, I don't, I don't know. Strings looks like he's burned plenty of fat, man. Yeah, he's in, yeah, he's in a rageous nick, man. Yeah. Um, do you remember... Back in the day, Connacht used to have to run around in the car park. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the story the, was that Connacht had some S&C coach who was ex-South African military, I think. Uh-huh. I could be getting this wrong. And he said that their thing for pre-season is that they would always be on the move. So whenever the players came to training, they would have to jog from their car into, this, into the clubhouse, get changed, jog. They would have to be constantly moving so that if they were standing waiting, they'd have to jog on the spot. I remember going to national camp and just thinking... How, like, did, they, how did they do that season? I'm not sure. That's yeah. not the year they won the league anyway. No, no. no. Yeah, anyway, they, if, if, if that had been successful, then we would all be jogging around the car park. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be the This worked out way better when we were laughing about it so much earlier. Yeah. So they're going to Portugal then tomorrow? Yeah, it's going to be good. Get yeah. them out there, hopefully get Joey's ankle okay. Oh, poor Joey. Mm. Uh, Joe, Joe was putting a positive spin on it. Yeah, he seemed, he seemed, he seemed uh, a bit upset coming off the field. Yeah. But 
you know, they said they scanned it, said there was no break. Yeah, he and, was, and all was, the all the insensitive photographers were rushing <laughs> to get the one photo that mattered. Yeah, picture uh, of him like that, yeah. holding his eyes. I suppose all the stuff that goes through your head, it, you know, when you get an injury like that, he's probably thinking like, if you think of it, they've only got they've only got three more chances now. Yeah, to actually push in, <clears throat> because I don't think once the competition gets going, I don't think that the pecking order is going to change massively. Yeah. I don't think Joe, I think he's got an idea. So for Joey, he probably viewed like, if I play well here, if I play well, you know, if I can get on against England, if, if Johnny starts, I can start putting a bit of pressure on there. You know, that's probably where he's thinking, like he doesn't want to go out there a second choice. <clears throat> and he played phenomenally. Yeah. And uh, then to get something like that, then he's, he, he may not get a chance in the next, in the next couple of games now. Yeah. So it'll just, that window, of being able to change the coach's mind is just closing for him. So you think Joey would be more concerned about becoming first choice rather than solidifying his second choice? Uh, to me... So I just think Johnny is so... like Carberry was incredible before he went off. Yeah. He, he didn't put a foot wrong, he was, he was brilliant. I just always think Johnny's Johnny and, yeah, yeah, and Joe yeah. absolutely loves him. Draco talked about this, I think, recently, and he was saying... Like it, it's a shame almost that no, not no matter how well Carberry's plays, but it's always going to be Saxon. It's always going to be Joe's go-to, is it not? It's it's yeah. Joe Johnny is going to be the number one guy there, but but Joey wouldn't have moved to Munster if he was just happy to play second yeah. choice. So he wants to play ten more regularly. He wants to <clears throat> develop as a as a as a as the the guy who runs the team. So when he gets an opportunity there, he's trying to make things harder and harder and close the gap. Yeah. I agree with you, Johnny Sexton's going to be number one going into To be fair, Cup. it doesn't happen overnight. It was the same thing whenever Johnny took over from Raj. Yeah. He didn't just right, say, right, go on ahead there. He was he was kind of, as you said, making that decision harder and harder over You're the course chip, of the season. Just chipping away, yeah. or chipping away is probably right, building trust with the coach. Yeah. I thought I thought Joey was phenomenal. He was class. Phenomenal. He was brilliant. And he was... Uh, the, the team just looked so fluid with him in there. Um, I just want to. I just like to see him getting back on the field. And yeah. you know, Ireland, Ireland could benefit from having him and Johnny on the pitch at the same time. That's that. That would be a really exciting option. Yeah. Oh, Johnny to twelve. No, no. I think Joey at fifteen. Joey could be an option at fifteen as well. You know, like at the moment, the the out and out fifteen choices that that Ireland have are Rob Carney, who's Obviously, the nailed on number one fifteen. Yeah. After that, then I thought I thought Jordan played played pretty well at the weekend. He didn't. We didn't get to see any of the stuff that he's renowned for, you know, breaking the line. But we, uh, we to counter that, we didn't see any stuff that you would be. He wasn't really tested like with a lot of aerially. He wasn't. There wasn't huge test on him. Yeah. Um, defensively, I don't think he had any major lapses either. So he wasn't. I didn't feel he was fully tested there, but he did pretty well. So he's probably in as your second choice fifteen. But I think that having Joy as an option, we discussed it on the last show. Having Joy the, as an yeah. option to come in and give you that second playmaker, so you can play both sides that are both sides of the rock, yeah. is, uh, is is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that uh, Joe uh, mentioned uh, in the press conference afterwards, he was talking about. Actually, he talked for quite a while, but. He was um, uh, talking about the 31-man squad and how it's going to be tricky for them moving forward with a mm. six-day turnaround and then another six-day turnaround, is it? I think five, six days and five days. Six yeah, days and yeah, then five yeah. days. Yeah. So, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't saying poor Ross. He was saying this is the same for everyone, mm. but it's going to be tricky. It's obviously easier last, last time around. It's an hour's flight to get guys across there, but um, 
I mean, a 31-man squad. Do you think that's tight? Do you think that's... Uh, well, that's 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 the way they've they've structured it. It's yeah. just it just means that for. But has it been has <coughs> it been a 31 squad, a 31 man squad since the start of the World Cup? Like I think it might have even been less. That's a very. Do you know start. what I mean? Because there's way more. Well, if it's less, then that kind of that makes sense, I suppose. Because there's the game's way more physical now. There's way more injuries now. Mm. So maybe that needs to keep up. I suppose that's probably the point that Joe's making. I suppose. Yeah. I think the, the the key thing for Ireland is to build through the next the next three games and just win that Scottish game. They've obviously got to win their other games after that, but they can afford to maybe not be a full strength going into going into Russia, going into Japan, and and going into um, Samoa. Yeah. But they need they need the Japan the the Scottish game is going to be the main one for them. So yeah. and they can afford to freshen up going in and then and then hopefully be in a good good state then going in for the quarter final. Yeah. Um, it is it is a challenge, yeah. yeah I yeah. think that the under twenties World Cup, the amount of injuries at the under twenties World Cup this year was phenomenal. Oh for really? Them. They were got, they went out there and and they had a real strong squad, and they just decimated with injuries because of the short turnaround the games yeah. all the time. And yeah. I remember they were having to play guys out of position, and yeah, it was it's it's something that they have to look into if they're yeah. gonna if they're gonna try and condense the tournaments into into a short period, then they've either got to increase the amount of players. Um, but the short turnarounds are right. The players just get beaten up too much. It was, uh, it was tw yeah, 29 in 2000 or 1995. The first time it was kind of professional, wasn't it? The World Cup actually yeah. professional after that, wasn't it? But uh, so it must be. I think it's because remember props used to be able to switch over, so they've added props to the squad. Oh I think yeah, is, of course, is, yeah. is the big thing. But not that much for change considering it's such a kind of brutal game now. As yeah. Well. yeah, to go from 1995 to now. You're... Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got a soup update as well, actually. Oh. Um, Apparently, yeah, this is Irish immigrants who are over in England. You would actually have to give up your O if you wanted to take the soup. So if Give up the O? Yeah, so if O'Callaghan's ancestors had taken the soup, it would have just been Callaghan. So if he was Donica Callaghan, yeah, then he would have been... taken the soup. Okay. Oh, so he didn't take the soup. Well, he, he did take the soup because <laughs> he went across oh, sorry. and played with Worcester, but he didn't, his ancestors didn't take the soup. So Donica, yes, yes, Donica went, went against what his ancestors would ancestors <laughs> yeah. have done. So yeah, he is. He's, he's, a, he's a terrible human being after all. He's a little soup suckler. Yeah, <laughs> suckling in the soup teat. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we've got uh, uh, part two coming up, but... Uh, a lot of you joined into the Facebook group. Am I right, Pat? Yeah, it's really good, yeah. Got a lot of joy there. Not us, though. No, <laughs> not yet. Forgot all about it, if I'm honest. So it's great to be interacting with some of you in the Facebook group. <laughs> um, uh, so make sure and leave us a rating as well. So we'd like to be uh, in touch a little bit more. But before part two, we just uh, intro that with a little bit of a Jack Conan snippet. Pat, you were on it, and were you? Yeah, he was in. He dropped in here during the week, and uh, so we're going to put that out as a bonus episode. So um, yeah, just give you a little taster of it. Nice. It was around that time where, just as you were kind of even getting your first taste of playing being with Ireland as well, um, a lot of the talk then became around like CJ Stander because he was just becoming Irish qualified. But it was after a Heineken Cup game, and you you spoke very well about it and said, "Listen, he's he's been here long enough. He's kind of satisfied all the rules. He's qualified and." He is a you know of a standard, and if we if he gets in ahead of us, we're doing something wrong. We have to lift our own standards. It was like it was very good to have a, like a current player coming out and say something like that as well. And um, you know, is that what that kind of thing like for someone like CJ, especially that number eight jersey as well? Is he he's someone that you often then said, okay, well listen, if he's playing at the standard, I have to up my game again. Even though I'm playing for Leinster regularly, 
if, if I want to play for Ireland, I have to up it again. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was after um, Montpellier at home. Um, we just won and got got asked, you know, what I thought of it, and you know, I stand by what I said there in those statements. And um, you know, CJ's gone gone on and played so many times in green and had fantastic career so far, and he's um, you know been a great servant. Um, but yeah, like you know, he, he kind of he raised the bar a little bit, um, probably in a different mold than, than Jamie was, in a different mold than I am as well. Um, so you know. I don't like to compare us too much because I don't think we have overly similar styles. Mm. You know, CJ's probably a bit more direct than I am. But um, look, he, he, he's been the, the kind of stand-in number eight for Ireland for the last few years and he's um, he's dominated that position. And, you know, only in the last few months it, through injury did I get an, uh, an opportunity to play, obviously, when he was he took that knock to the face. And, and uh, you know, now I think I've come to an age and I've put in the performance that I'm, I'm instead of, kind of having to buy my time I think it's it, the time is now and you know have the opportunity to challenge them but you know as you said earlier uh, CJ and myself are, we, we've both slotted into the back row together mm. and played on the same pitch in the same day mm. so it's something that can be done I think it's benefited Ireland in, at times in the past you know whether it was the that last test in Australia mm, uh, yeah. last year we, we went on to get, to get that famous win or you know even not not as famously uh, the last day against Wales we were both on the park and we finished up along with Pete so um, I'm not saying that will happen but it's it's definitely something that could happen uh, and uh, we, we think we have that balance between us um, where we, we get a good, good all-rounded back row You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe together with Guinness Okay, welcome back to part two where we will be getting a little bit more nerdy than we would naturally get Am I right, Fla? Little bit more, little bit nerdy. Mm. Um, so, so, what was your thoughts then? Who stood out for you? Uh, Joey is obviously the standout guy uh, until he until he went off. I thought he was phenomenal. I thought everything he did, even when he was taking the ball like uh, relatively uh, off medium to slow ball, he was still taking it so flat, taking it right to the line. Yeah, um, he looked. He just looks really comfortable. Just looks like it. Just looks really easy to him. Or. Um, I mean, it's only really been the last season where he started to get some established kind of game time at 10, mm. and it looks like it's done him the world of good. He just looks really, really happy. Yeah. Until, <laughs> he <didn't look> <laughs> until, until, until he was injured and then he was a bit upset. And, yeah. But, but yeah, he was, he, was, he, was, he was excellent. He was top class. And it's, it's really exciting to see that for, for Ireland because he's just to have someone there who's such a threat, and, and he's, he's not even your first choice 10. Yeah. Um, I thought Conway, Conway was excellent. Um, Airely, I think, in the first half, particularly apart from maybe the first, the first exit, I thought, I thought he was like to, to be able to run onto the ball. Like it's one thing to be receiving it, where you can come forward and get, and get up, but to be running onto the ball from from the from the open side wing and yeah. to be able to take the ball like that. He, Those are always nice ones as a right winger to kind of blindside the guy that you're competing with. When the ball's coming there, and you can see him, you can see the ball, mm. and he can like he, I mean, the the GA style one, he plucked out of the air. Did he take? Maybe took three. Definitely two anyway. He definitely took two, and I think he he he, he competed on one, and I think Chris Farrell won the scraps yeah. on the ground. But it's it's something that he works on nonstop. Yeah. And I remember chatting to Felix Jones. Did an awful lot of work <coughs> with him with Munster with it. And we, myself and Felix would come off, you know, we'd watch games from Munster and you'd see Conway would t- make takes like that. And then you'd see that he's always doing it after training. Yeah. And I was like, 
this is why... Well, like, what a coincidence. No, no, but... <laughs> no, I, to the rest of the squad. If, I mean. if you could go to the other guys in the squad and say, listen, if you want to put another 50 or 100 grand on your contract, pick something that no one else in the yeah. team can do yeah. and just practice that like yeah. crazy because that's what Conway's doing. Conway is potentially one of the best players in the, in, in the world in the air. Yeah. And, um, and it's... <clears throat> I, I would never I, I didn't know an awful lot about it but I would wa I'd be interested to see how people train those skills I think it's a bit of a, actually a bit of a monster thing Darren Sweetenham's very good in the air as well yeah he's yeah. a bit of a GA background hasn't he yeah he's hurling isn't he Cork hurling yeah Cork, Cork hurling yeah yeah. yeah. Well, uh, like, Earlsey's pretty good in the air yeah Earlsey's decent um, Shane Daly is pretty good as well um but a, a lot of it is is down to just training it, and Felix Felix says the main thing is to actually get up and get into the contest. Yeah, like you know, you actually physically have to get up and launch yourself, not 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 get underneath the ball and go straight up because then you lose momentum, but to come at the ball at a forty five degree angle and get up into the air and yeah, get into yeah. the contest. Um, I was so, so I was with I was with Donica, and I think it was the one that he plucked out of the air, yeah. two hands, and uh, and then so we. Uh, we got the ball back and then Joey got the ball in his hands off that right hand side mm. and uh, Donica goes to me okay well you know we regathered a, a high ball and he goes but sure where does it really get you you know and he's making the point that you're only maybe five meters ten meters tops further up the field for an unbelievable bit of skill <laughs> fast forward five seconds Joey puts a wee dink through Carney puts his foot to it we nearly score in the corner yeah, yeah. <laughs> the timing was perfect it's, I was looking at it at the way Ireland are exiting, and I just know that with us, like when we, when you when when Ireland played England this year in the Six Nations, yeah. and say they say they they received the ball received the ball in the restart and they carry just outside the twenty two. <coughs> if they're just trying to kick a box then off Conor Murray, it's so it's so much more of a static exit, and. England can see what's coming. They can start dropping players into the backfield, and then they can. Get low, identify who they've got a who they've got an escort on the way back and create that escort wall in front of the English receiver so he can win the ball. But when they were moving the ball like where they'd carry, then play a pot of forwards and then go out and play Joey, the Italian defence had to come up to defend the run and then they just launched that ball. Yeah, and Joey's and the the Italian winger that's under it. He's static because mm. he can't you can't sit deeper because if you sit deeper then you'll get left behind the defensive yeah. line if they play, if they run. So you got to get up and then you're, you're static, you're underneath the ball. And I'm not saying it's easy for Conway, but it's easier. It's an easier um, battle to win, to get mm. on top of someone who's standing still. Whereas if you box kick, then the, you know, the defending winger, the receiving winger can sit back wherever you want. You're not going to get stuck under the ball, mm. as Conway did a few times receiving yeah, yeah. as well. It's, I, it's a way easier battle to win, I think. Leinster did that in the past, actually, with uh, Lukey Fitz, just to do that all the time. We did it to Tommy a few times. Um, it's a really good way of getting out of your 22 and keeping all options open. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, and the more the players are actually adept at, at plucking the ball out of the air rather than that. So I remember I listened to one of your previous shows last season where you talked about you used to get pissed off. That cheaters. Che cheaters would cheaters. put one hand and yeah. slap it back in, in field, which is probably risky on an exit because you're, you're leaving, yeah. leaving, ball, yeah. leaving ball bounce around there. But, but I saw how, how effective Saracens are at with it. And it's it's mainly because they get such a good kick chase line that they have players who are positioned. So like you're saying, if it's the right winger coming up and you're static and he can jump, he can get himself into the contest, get momentum forward and then slap the ball back in field. Yeah. You should have players coming through in it. Yeah, as we did with um, Farrell as well. Yeah. Which yeah. brings me on to my next point. I thought Farrell was unbelievable. Yeah. I thought ring I thought the the centre partnership, I don't know 
I don't think they've played together before. Um, Farrell's only played 13, mm. isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, um, so playing out of position, I thought he was unbelievably good. thought Ring Ringrose was brilliant. Again, that's not a surprise. He's mm. always brilliant, to be fair. But it's the first time I've thought that 12-13 combination could potentially be be the one. Although then, I know you've got Bondi and you've got Henshaw. Mm. To, um, like, I mean, Henshaw typically is kneeled on. Bundy could potentially, he's played plenty of rugby in the centre for Ireland, but it's the first time I thought that Farrell and Ringrose combination could work really well. Yeah. That, that's maybe one of the reasons why um, Joey looks so comfortable, because he had um, Farrell trucking it up outside him. And yeah, Ringrose if you're looking that. around, you're like, oh, there's not much on here, and just go, here, carry that. Yeah. And, and one, one of the sort of things that I see with, with, with Chris Farrell is everyone talks about it. It's almost like a cliche. It's like when Peter talks about Peter Crouch and they say, oh, he's actually got a really good touch for yeah. a big man. Yeah, yeah. Chris Farrell is an incredibly skillful player, incredibly skillful, but sometimes you just want him to say, listen, they have to defend you here. You just, just carry the ball and you're going to take in three defenders. You're going to yeah. interest three defenders, which creates space. But he showed, he showed that little pullback pass that he played in the 22 um, for Joey, you know, He's he's so skillful. It's getting the yeah. getting the mix right between know, being physical. Yeah. It, and it must be tempting for him because everybody looks at him and he's enormous. Mm. So he goes, I'm not just enormous. Yeah. It must be so tempting for him always to want to show the piece of skill that you maybe can't naturally see. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you may be skillful, but you're still 110 kilos. <laughs> Run at that hole, and that'll be more beneficial to us. It's probably, it's probably you're probably taking some of the options out for him when you move him into 12 because he's going to be carrying the ball in a lot more traffic there. Whereas at 13, he's, you know, there's a little, it's always going to be on from a little bit more, a little bit more an outside break or, or potentially to rip that pass. Whereas at 12, it's not always going to be, it's, there's going to be more traffic generally in around there. So that might take advantage of his uh, physicality. But look, it just means that Ireland have got four centres now that they can bring to the World Cup who can all play inside and outside. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned Will Allison, mm. who we're a big fan of, mm. and he's a big fan of us. You have a bit of a boner for him. We do, yeah. 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 We're pitching 10 for Yeah, he's, 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 he's quality as well. He's carrying a knock. He's, yeah. um, but His back was giving him bother there at the start of the summer. Yeah. He was brought in, I assume, because he was brought in, then he was good to go. He'll, he'll get some game time, obviously. If he goes well, then he could kind of. Can he cover twelve? I, I, he's played thirteen against Munster, and I thought he was thought he was excellent. Yeah, I don't think he can cover twelve, but he can play fifteen as well. Mm. And he can play fifteen very well. As, anyway, he got plenty of um, plenty of joy in fifteen for Ulster this year. Yeah, last we'll year, we'll see. There's three more games. Yeah, he's got a, it's it's going to be a tough push for him. But versatility, I think that's something that. Besides just playing well, Chris Farrell showing he can play well at twelve as well. Yeah, because he's proven himself at thirteen. I think yeah. it bodes well. Yeah, what about um, it was the, the narrative before the game was Klein versus Byrne. Mm. Was that settled for you, or is it? Are they too different to compare? Well, they're obviously uh, competing for the same space, I suppose. I don't know if it's. I don't know <coughs> if that's if if that's if that's the narrative. I think. Um, I think. The, on the positive side, I thought I thought Jean played well. He is going to be definitely the most physical forward Ireland would have if he does go to the World Cup. Because in and if you end if we ended up playing someone like like the box in the quarter final, he'd be you know he'd be a great guy to have there because but he's so physical. But yeah, give me a second. <laughs> in the, the point is, is that like he he's not going to push James Ryan out, and he's not going to push he's not going to push Devin Toner out. So if you're bringing John, he's you kind of almost want him to be in your team. So I'm not really sure. I thought he played really well. 
He's, he, he adds massive ballast in the scrum as a tight head lock. Um, Maldi wasn't great at the weekend as a whole from the team, but Jean is one of the best mall stoppers you'll come across. So he's really good in all those, those tight areas. Tyg then gives you the versatility that you know he can call in the line out, plus he can play in the back row, and he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal in turnovers, which you saw at the weekend. Yeah, he 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 just he. I thought whenever Byrne came on, it looked like he had a point to make. And he came on, made two turnovers out of nothing in 15 minutes, and yeah. it just looked like he went well. <clears throat> this guy's enormous, but look what I can do. I suppose just whenever you're saying there about South Africa, if you're playing against South Africa, you need a bit of physicality. You need someone to kind of. Mm someone to bully but surely would you not say that if you're playing against South Africa if you're going to be direct and physical and confrontational that's the way they play and they're going to do that better than anyone so is that not an argument to say let's bring a bit more mobility throw the ball about you know what I mean yeah but you need to be able to match them to a degree you know what I mean like I'm not saying that you try and play the same way South Africa like Ireland should have more more football and more more rugby nows in their in their team than South Africa, but there's a level of physicality that they have to match to to, to, to be able to play. Yeah. And if you're just losing collisions, you saw when when Ireland played England this year, when we lose collisions, it's very hard to get back on the back foot or, yeah. or, or to get to get on the front foot. Yeah. So I think from that point of view, I think that you know that if if Ireland can match them, like James Ryan has has been phenomenal for Ireland. I think um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what way the next three games pan out. And if Jean keeps playing the way he is, and if Ty keeps playing the way he is, I, I don't think they'll bring. I don't think. I don't know if they'll bring five locks. You know, I, yeah. think, that, I think they're going to bring <coughs> Henderson because he can cover back row. Yeah. Because he's he's a phenomenal ball carrier. He he's he's he can call in the line out. Toner is obviously probably the first choice guy there because he's calling. Yeah. James Ryan because he's James Ryan. And then who did they bring after that? Ty Byrne gives you versatility to play in the back row as well. The, the Jean could could go as well, yeah. but but Jean is very much a tight head lock, and if you're going to bring someone who's such a specialist, you'd nearly want them in your team. Yeah, I got you. But yeah. I think it's just that it's happened so late. If if it was last season, I think yeah. Jean would build, 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 and he he could push it, to get yeah, in. Yeah, I think most people forgot that he was going to be Irish qualifier when he qualified uh, on Thursday, two days before the first game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, uh, oh yeah, your man. He's a big uh, enormous mutant uh, second row from. I Mr. saw uh, when Pat sent on the the quotes something that 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 Joe picked out about about Jean is that Jean has the ability to go and actually move bodies like when he when when, when playing with Munster when you'd analyze the game back you just see there'd be a, a breakdown there where the ball might look like it's it's not clean there and then Jean Klein just comes in and he, at the time he's probably 125 kilos just hits the thing and just shifts the entire breakdown yeah. and the ball is there clean as a whistle yeah. um so uh, there's he's got he's 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 improved massively since he's come over. He's he's a, he's a clever guy. Yeah, and then obviously um, uh, a little bit of uh, versatility in the front row with um, Portis head moving to loose head. Uh, Portis yeah. loose head. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought I thought the scrum was really was real strong in the first half. Um, Porter gave a really good that that corner that right that right sh- shoulder corner for the tight head and. That gave Jean Klein a kind of a platform to express power through onto the onto the Italians. Very rugby nerdy. Express time. power through the Italians. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Can they, we use that as a promo? That I think line? they I think they won. Four, I think they, they won four penalties. The second half, then when Porter went across, so Porter Porter had a real strong uh, performance there. I thought Jack McGrath did well as well. Jack McGrath was wrecking boys in the scrum that started, mm, you know. But the, the 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 problem is, is that the 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 
the current the current pecking order, as I see it, is, is key in a Healy at loosehead uh, as as one, and then Dave Kilcoyne in behind him, yeah. and then Jack McGrath, probably the third choice loosehead there. They've probably got Furlong, and then either Porter or Ryan in second or third. But they can, if they're going to bring five props, they can't bring three loose heads, and they can't move one of the loose heads across to cover tight head. They've got to bring three specialist tight heads, and one of them that can cover loose head. I thought when Porter went across, I think he lost shape a couple of times. So it's it's a big ask for a guy to play both sides yeah, when he's not yeah. playing there regularly. So will they continue with that, or will they try John uh, John Ryan? Jean Ryan. <laughs> Will they try Jean? He, he'd be good. <laughs> Jean Ryan. Yeah, he's versatile. Yeah. <laughs> Will they move him across and try him? Try him at loose head and see if he could be the guy that's going to cover both sides. It looks like they're they're pitching for Porter at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Listen, that'll lead us nicely and tidily into a Porter a Porter audio. Okay. Yeah, a bit rusty there again. Like I haven't played a played a game at loose head in I think since. I don't know how long, about two years. So, uh, yeah, like it's something I'd be looking to work on to kind of be as versatile as I can. Like if, if need to be over in over in Japan, hopefully if I get picked. So it's something I'll be really looking to push forward in the next few weeks. What's that old school muscle memory come back? Uh, small bit. Of, yeah. Still a bit stiff now. Yeah. Moment. Like it's <laughs> the neck is a bit a bit stiffer than it, than it would be usually after a game. But uh, yeah, so hopefully I'll get the get more used to it again. Like and just keep working and training. So yeah. When you made the switch initially, did you always feel though like that there'd be a chance you'd get get to play there again? Because when it comes to tournaments like the World Cup, it's invaluable to coaches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's it's always been something kind of coaches kind of uh, going over with me. Like if if need to be, I could slot in there. So that's why uh, it's so important now that I kind of get my reps and train and, and games like these where I get like you know, in a test game. So it's uh, it's very important like that. So. Uh, okay, so um, with um, Carberry um, struggling and maybe not going to get that much game time between now and the World Cup, assuming that he gets fit for the World Cup. Um, should we play Saxon less? Because Saxon's even more important to us now. Should uh, we wrap him in cotton wool? No, that's... <laughs> you say. Yeah, the wrap him in cotton wool thing is, is bullshit. Like, you hear that's that. That's overused. What does yeah. that... That's not... That's just that, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, you can definitely... You can, you can play smart and say, you need to get... Johnny Saxon is the best player in the world. So you need to get game time into him to get him up to speed. You can't just expect him to not give him any game time and for him to you know, be firing on all cylinders going into the Scottish game. So they're going to have to play him. They might just be smart about how much they use him, but he has to play. Um, and hopefully Joey is back and can take some of the pressure off him because Joey, I think, is clearly the second choice. Um, but he has to play. He has to play. Yeah, so um, if Johnny starts one of the next three games, would that be enough? I don't think so, really. You know, I I, th I think I think he's got to play more regularly. I think he's. I, I would. He definitely needs two starts. Cardi now needs to start though, just in case something happens to Marmion or or Rothburn. Uh, Cardi needs to start in case something happens to Marmion. Uh, in, in case something happens to Car uh, Carberry, sorry. Um, well, something has happened. <laughs> yeah. to Carberry. Uh, there's a we were watching the show. We were watching the game at the weekend. Um, hopefully, Joey is fit to play again before the end. Yeah. Um, if not, then it's it's going to be. Hopefully, he's fit and he can. He, Joey, Joey will get more game time before the World Cup starts. But in the meantime, Sexton has to get game time, and then Carty can come off the bench and get some picks him up in there. But I don't think I don't think Carty's going to jump. I think Carty has to start one of the next three games. I'm oh, sorry, Carty or Rossburn, whoever 
um, Joe's third choice is. I'm, I would assume it's Cardi, but I don't know. I, th I would but I think Cardi whoever well. it is, whoever he decides is his third choice at the minute, um, needs to start one of the next three games. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because if Joey doesn't make it, and then something happens to Johnny, then whoever it is is straight in with no game time. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair enough point. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's it. <laughs> All right, we've got a, 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 a Joe audio on uh, Johnny, yes? Yeah, yeah, you spoke about that. Um, and just about, yeah, as you said, the idea of um, who goes to Portugal as well. And it was funny about, because yeah, in the press conference, he's initially dismissed that, you know, he's like, no, our plans are our plans. But then he actually kind of admitted, yeah, they actually might <laughs> have a look at it. Our plans are our plans, or are they? <laughs> well, they are and they aren't. So yeah, we can hear that now. Yeah. The good news is, Joey, there's no fracture. It's a bit puffy on the inside of his left ankle. Um, we're going to give that 24 to 48 hours just for the swelling to go down. And if we need to get a picture of it, we will. Um, obviously, he's, he's had an X-ray and been cleared of a fracture. So that, that's the good news on Joey. We don't have anyone else who's of major concern. Um, first game of the season. Um, there's a few lung injuries, um, guys who couldn't get enough oxygen in, um, and, and one particularly that Reese suffered when he got hit quite hard uh, after giving a, a scoring pass that um, he didn't really get a good look at, but Joey Carberry certainly enjoyed the, the end of it. So, you know, we're hopefully relatively unscathed, but, but Joey obviously will, will take 24 to 48 hours to, to know for sure. Joe, if Joey Kirby's out for a few weeks, does that change your thinking around how much game time Johnny Sexton gets in the next three games? Not, not really. I think we'll forge ahead with, with probably the, the, the plan we've mapped out already. Um, and to be honest, we don't get back together until Wednesday after this game, so it gives us enough time to have a bit more clarity about Joey and then then you're right, we, we may adjust uh, our plans. Um, but we know we've got to hit the ground running. We know how big a game uh, Scotland is in the, in the first game of the World Cup. And so we can't really afford to have anyone underdone going into that game either. To be honest, I, he could have played today. Uh, he trained fully. Um, in the footage I've looked at from, from the week um, and uh, Apparently he trained very, very hard yesterday morning, um, which is which is great. So I, I would anticipate that he, he will train fully in, in Portugal um, and that he will be available for England. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Okay, so we're back and we're chatting uh, back row. Um, did anybody there do themselves any favours or do themselves any harm, in, in, um, in your opinion? I... It's it's difficult. I don't think there's any any guy who's was head and shoulders above the others. I thought um, going into it, if you're looking at it from the point of view that the first choice back row is more than likely going to be Peter Manny at six, CJ at eight, and then and Van der Fleer at seven. It's looking at what 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 layers they're going to have below that. And uh, from that point of view, I think. Uh, I think Jordy Murphy's probably got the his versatility probably puts him in pole position. I thought Tommy O'Donnell, uh, I, I know he's versatile from from when he played with Munster, from from playing with Munster that he can cover all, all the three roles, but he probably hasn't done it at international level. Um, I thought he played well at the weekend. I thought Reese Ruddock, uh, that little pullback pass that he that 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 
uh, open up the space for, for Ringrose to get that pass away on the edge for the try. Um, I think it was for Carney, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I thought that that was, that, you know, he, he showed a good, he showed a good, good awareness, and good footballing skills there. And Jordy Murphy, obviously, his versatility scored a try. A couple of, uh, you know, a couple of turnovers during the game, which were unfortunate, but I think that, I, I'm, I'm not really sure. It's, uh, yeah. Honestly, I don't think any of them really put their hand up to say, that, well, that's the guy who's going. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of trust with Jordy, though. I think, Joe has established, you know, a lot of trust there. Mm. He's 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 gone to him a good few times, and Jordy's typically never let him down. And as you say, he plays six, seven, and eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he can play six, seven, and eight. Reese can play six and seven. Tommy, I know he has versatility, and he's done it for Monster, but he hasn't. He maybe hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't. Yeah, I think he's only played seven for. Even though he went really well, I thought. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> I think it's. I think um, when when you look at it, if you look at Joe, is a, Joe seems to be a fan of, of guys who win, who win collisions all the time. And um, from that point of view, I think Van der Fleer is, is his only real out-and-out out seven. Now, he's play, CJ has played seven for, for Munster. Peter Manny started the Australian test um, down there. He started at seven. But I think outside of Van der Fleer, then, he's going to look at, OK, well, if I don't have a real specialist seven there, who am I going to put in? And it's probably going to be someone who's going, who's going to be a collision winner. So that, that could open it for Reese there. You know, Reese can win collisions. Yeah. Um, but I think there's just got to be more rugby played. I don't, I, don't, I don't see which guy's out and out, the standout guy there. Yeah, yeah, grand. OK, right, we'll move on. We'll chat about the, uh, the rugby championship at the weekend. I think uh, New Zealand getting beat fairly convincingly by Australia. Mm. And obviously then the draw to South Africa last week and both South Africa and Australia both are going really well. Or maybe it's just a drop in standard from New Zealand, but it looks like the whole World Cup is kind of wide open at the minute. Wales were unofficially the world number one <laughs> um, for, what, 12 hours? Uh, 24 hours? don't know. Yeah, and then England beat them this afternoon um, only a couple of hours ago, so we're not really up to, up to speed in that game. But um, what was your thoughts on the, the Australian-New Zealand game? It was. Um, I thought Australia were really, really good. I thought. Yeah. I thought Australia's. Um, I thought their 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 front five was was the difference between the two teams. I think I had a look on, on some of the. I think they had sixty three carries between the five of them in the game. I think like Rory Arnold, Latu the hooker. I I don't know whether they were anxious about their set piece going into the game, but they they had real good variety. They did a lot of four man lineouts, which was which is going to make it a lot easier to win the ball. You know when they were in the New Zealand half, looking to attack them, and uh, real good variation in their game. And when the front, when the front five are getting through that amount of work, through yeah, I think Latu had twelve carries. I think uh, Rada had twelve carries. You know they had sixty-three carries between them. I think they had thirty carries more than the than the New Zealand front five. It just created this. It it frees up the likes of Hooper to to. to be you know to, to be in like an extra attacker out in wider channels, yeah. and uh, I think it gave Nick White a really good platform then, and I thought he was outstanding. I thought yeah. he was class. So obviously they they got their tails up. They had more carries in general, they had more possession in general. Mm. But I mean, it was the re- it was the red card that was the only reason there was more space. Surely, what was your thoughts on the red card? Uh, yeah, I thought thought it was a red card because I think it's unfortunate. Um, Did you hear what Greenwood said? No. Greenwood said uh, he was critical of Garces. He thought it wasn't a red card. Uh, but he said the language Garces used, um, uh, I think he said he was hiding behind the laws. <laughs> yeah. I, Which I, is strange. I, I, I think, you see, the, the problem is, is that what was, 
what's a red card now, what the referees are being told is a red card now, compared to when we played, yeah. it's, it's, it was absolutely not a red card. We played, well, I was, it was only a year ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but it's still, it's, still it's, it's, it's progressing that quickly. Like, on the under-20s World Cup, I was seeing guys, I saw Irish lads getting, getting yellows and reds for stuff that I was like, oh, that, that would have been... Grand. That would have been fine a few years ago. That would have been complimented. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it was the fact that Barrett actually didn't seem to actually even try and rap. He yes. almost tucked his shoulder yeah. and then drove in. And uh, but sometimes it looks like I agree with you. It looks mm. it looks a wee bit ugly. It looks a bit untidy and it looks a bit like like he's meaning to do damage. Yeah. Just because he's tucking it. But then some, there's maybe no place for his arm to go if he wraps it. It was. Yeah. Um, well, look, they they they've. It, it's shots like that to the head that, yeah. that end up shortening people's careers. And yeah. I think they've, it, it's difficult now. But as a father yourself. It's not what people always say. As a father yourself. As a father yourself. No. As a priest yourself. So there's just got to be, I think that there's going to be a lot more yellow and red cards. Um, and I think that in, in, in this World Cup, I think that a lot of the teams have got to put a focus on the ability to, to carry low, and to and to actually tackle effectively low because yeah. there's going to be you know when, whenever I saw a red card in the past it was always because some guy took off his boot and ran around the field and started hacking someone in the head it was always like you <laughs> yeah. know for which foul is still play. illegal <laughs> for, for, for foul play but now it's a lot more for being reckless or mistimed tackles you know th those kind of things and and yes it's now and what people have said up until recently and still a little bit recently there's no malice intended or there's no intention there or no you know what I mean he's yeah. not meaning to do any damage but that doesn't matter yeah that yeah. doesn't matter because if you're being careless then you're putting out someone else at and risk. as well if if there is any ambiguity in the law any gray area we say like no I didn't mean it you can make it look like you didn't mean it but <laughs> yeah. you really wanted to hurt yeah, someone yeah. you know so I think that taking it out it's I, th I think it was it was it, it was a red card. Yeah, they're trialing um, to to deal with um, obviously the head collisions and concussions and stuff. Mm. They're trialing uh, a new law in Australia, Pat. Yes, yeah, club um, rugby in Australia. Uh, yeah. To uh, where they you're not allowed to tackle above the hips. Yeah. How do you think that'll go? <laughs> <laughs> good good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not really sure. When they even when they said the nipple height. I was like, this is going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah. You're trying, to, trying to work out, like trying to, coming into contact to drop your nipples as low as you can. Yeah. Um, but they, they have to do something to mitigate all the concussions and stuff like that because it's uh, for the game to, to, to go forward. Yeah. And what about, you know, the case of someone with unorthodoxly positioned nipples? Nipples, yeah. Uh, that's something that they're going to have to look at as well. Didn't think of that one, World Rugby, did you? No, no. So who do you know that has unorthodoxly positioned nipples? Baz. Baz. Yeah. Okay, well, he's retired, so it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. He's just got his little... Michael. Michael, Michael will Jackson. Get <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Baz's nipples. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure where they're going to go with it. Yeah, I'm not sure where we're going to go with it. No, no, we'll just um, leave... Eddie Michael. Jones was actually talking at the end of the England-Wales <coughs> game about that Scott Barrett red card. He said here, I thought it was ridiculous, mate. I urge World right. Rugby, even though they don't do anything at great pace, to get more consistency in that area. But then somebody else pointed out that Eddie Jones and Paul O'Connell were both on a panel that recommended you start giving guys yellows and reds and it'll change how to tackle. So yeah. what does he want? But, but you know, I think Eddie Jones is right that they're not consistent. Mm. You know, he, actually, Gar says is the one that always gets a hard time, but he is the one who's often consistent. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's like pretty brutal as well. Crack out your Gar says factors. 
Yeah, the one that you fed to me half yes. an hour ago. <laughs> Garces has um, issued as many red cards uh, to the All Blacks as the entire referee oh, population whoa. combined. That's an amazing stat. Is it? Mm. Were you there when I heard it? Oh, I, I didn't I, understand it. I read it. I read it, but it, it's if you put yourself in a referee's point uh, point of view, like he starts off the season. And next minute, something else. He's he's given a new. Uh, this yeah. is this is how you got to critique this situation. Uh -huh. Now it's different to what it was last year. So they're they've got to find their way through it. Like it's 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 shit because when someone gets sent off, like the the game as well as Australia were playing, the game was really tight. But then the minute Barrett went off, he said, "Oh shit! Well, Australia playing well now. It's fifteen versus fourteen. It's difficult to see to see New Zealand having any real chance in this game." Yeah. Um, so it does. It ruins. Gar says ruining the game, though. No, but they're just. It's just the game has to move towards something that's going to be sustainable and a little bit safer. Yeah. So, but it, and people are going to get pissed off at decisions, but you just have to be human. Just take. There's there's going to be a human nature to it as well, where people are trying to trying to work out what's what's uh, and he has to do it split on a split second. And I think that if Barrett hadn't hadn't talked, uh -huh. I think you you could probably say, oh, maybe that was just. Yeah. Maybe. I think you're right. If he hadn't talked, it wouldn't have looked as nasty. Yeah. And if he had gone here, even if he connected in the forearm yeah. or on the on the bicep, I still think I'd rather get tackled by someone's bicep than their shoulder. You know what I mean? Like that's going to do more damage than that if it's not wrapped. Um, I, I, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I would have thought so. Anyway, um, uh, Sammy Karevi was tearing it up. Karevi and Kerbietti. Is it Kerbietti? That's how you pronounce it. That winger. Kerbietti. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I, like I, I think Karevi at the moment is probably the best, the best, the best twelve in, in He's world on rugby. Fire, He's it? just been phenomenal. He's yeah. wins collisions, can get his hands free, um, and, he, and he can he can hit as well. Indeed, yeah. he's, uh, he's 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 in really really good place going into the World Cup now. Yeah, uh, perfect timing from uh, Christian Lilifano getting back in the mix when his front five are going unbelievably well, and he's got a twelve that's going well, and Cor Corvietti. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vianetta, <laughs> Corbiati, <laughs> Vianetta, yeah. Uh, uh, he's got, he, there's a lot going right for him. His team have got their tail up and he's kicking well and he's distributing well. And it's a nice few story. Obviously, he made a big impact with Ulster. So a lot of the Ulster boys are delighted to see him go well. But um, it's like he never, uh, he just picked up where he left off. Good guy. Great fella. Yeah. Great fella. Good laugh. Good laugh. Slaughtered in seamlessly. He made a big, a big impact. He was there for six months and he was everybody's best mate by the end of it. Is he a family? Yeah. He's got one uh, young fella called Jeremiah. Yeah? Yeah. He's yeah. like me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Biblical th names. So when he was over, did he was, was there any, any talk of him extending his stay beyond when he was there? Cause there were rumours now. I don't know if they were if it was realistic or not, but um, then, so then he left January, February time to, to play Super Rugby. Yeah. I know he said he only wanted to go home if he thought there was a chance he was going to play for Australia. Uh, what's the story with Bernard Jackman, Pat? Do you know? Or sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Bernard Foley. <laughs> Bernard Jackman <laughs> playing down for Australia. He's coming in for a bit of coaching or something. Uh, oh, Foley's got picked up an injury, has he? Like yeah. In, yeah. So little Fano might have done enough to keep him out, although Foley's, uh, uh, Foley's handy enough, but... Um, uh, yeah, so anyway, so he went back to play Super Rugby in January, February time, play, finished off Europe for us, and then went back, and then there was chat that he might have come back the following season. Oh, when he was in the mix for the Wallabies then? I think, I don't know if he, 
that was that was a year ago, so I'm not sure he played any. Uh, no, but when there was talk of him being back in the mix for the yeah. Wallabies, he said he'd stay and pursue that. Yeah, he must have fancied his chances to, to get back in the mix for the World Cup and obviously made the right decision. So far, so good anyway. Yeah. From, yeah. yeah. I think Foley will be back now, I'd say, for the yeah. next Bledis low game, maybe even on the bench or something. Yeah, okay. And then James O'Connor's back as well. Mm. Um, uh, at one stage, he started playing when he was 17, Pat. Yeah, yeah. He looked like he was going to just kick on and just uh, it was just going to be the easiest career ever <laughs> uh, and then obviously things started going wrong for him but he's back now he went well 13, 13 yeah. he's out of position there at 13 I think a little bit but he's played 10 for them he's played 15 he's played wing I think he started in the wing uh, he played 10 against the, the Lions yeah um, yeah he's a phenomenally talented fella just trying to get his head trying to get his head straight so he's not like yeah on the piss too much around like that is, seems to be the key for him but when he yeah. gets that right I don't know maybe yeah he's, he's grown up. up anyway so we'll leave it there for uh, for part two um, part three is going to feature um, a new uh, piece uh, called Black and White we'll explain the rules in part three Die Harder which, which then um, uh, I think it was just telling you what's happening in the film I don't think it's actually the <laughs> people name. are dying harder, harder. it's like a, a warning yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah for parents yeah just if your kid's watching this you know there's going to be people dying harder don't you <laughs> <laughs> which just, makes you wonder yeah. why was Die Hard 3 not called Died, Die Hardest what was that one called it was called um uh, with a vengeance. Oh yeah. Die, die Hard with a vengeance. See, I now that is what that one was called. That wasn't called <laughs> Die Hard Three. That one's called Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Die Hard Two is called Die Hard. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Yeah. I, I think Die Hard with a Vengeance is my favourite. Yeah. Mm. Danny Glover. Uh, no. Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Lethal weapon. Lethal, yes, yeah. you were. It's my last day on the job. <laughs> God. My 50, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Fla, it's time to play Black or White. As you know, the Pint of Guinness is the perfect opportunity to get together with friends and just unwind. But on this occasion, Black and White might split the House of Rugby into two. Two. So open your envelope there and we're going to have a nice little debate. Um, there's going to be a statement in your envelope. You're going to agree with that statement. I'm going to disagree. 60 seconds each. Okay, so mine says, I am for that Joe Schmidt needs a semi-final or better to have been a real success here. You're going to argue against it, correct? Yes. You want to go first or will I? I'll go first, it's fine. Um, Joe Schmidt has done everything he possibly can <laughs> to put Irish rugby on the map. He's won a Grand Slam, he's won two championships, he has adopted homeless orphans all over the country. Do you know his house is riddled with orphans? <laughs> <laughs> riddled with them, go on. <laughs> yeah, there's, there, he has been an absolute saint since he arrived. If he gets beat by uh, Scotland, Japan, and whoever else is in Ireland's group, <laughs> doesn't matter, he will still uh, leave Ireland with his head held high. Okay, well I think that's bullshit because the whole reason that Joe Schmidt was brought over here by the IRFU, he got his time in Leinster to get himself settled in here to get an understanding of Ireland, but the whole focus of him was coming to this World Cup 
to get to a semi-final. <clears throat> That's the very least he can do. He was given all the amenities that someone needs to flourish in their job. He was given uh, drinking water. <laughs> he was given food. His family were fed. They had a Tap house. water, like? Uh, house. They, in Tala, um, he lived in Tala. They, they were, they, there was education provided for his, for his kids. He was given access to all of the best That's players in the right. country. He was given access to gyms. Access to orphans. Rugby balls, cones, the whole lot, <laughs> yeah. everything. And he built, I'll be, to, to be fair to him, he built along by winning Grand Slams and winning European Cups with Leinster and winning the, the championships with Ireland. But it's all towards this and he's been given everything. He's been given a fancy car by the RFU. What does he drive? What car? I think it's probably a Mondeo or else a Volkswagen or something like that. That's like a soft and he's probably been given loads of other stuff like nice clothes and we want results Not now. nice clothes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pat, who won? Well, it's comprehensive. And as much as he is riddled with orphans, you, you're comprehensively beaten there. Uh-huh. It was embarrassing to even to sit there and look at it. So, Jerry, on behalf of Barry, you have won this week. <clears throat> You've drawn it level. And uh, you can just stick that up on the board. Lovely. One for Baz. Oh, one for Baz. We will dedicate that pint of Guinness to baby Annabelle. And baby Michael. Yeah. Jackson. <laughs> to a lesser extent. <laughs> okay, thank you very much for joining us on today's show. Thanks for everyone involved in making the show. To Dermid, to Paul, to Pat, Andrew. This has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.